Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. We're back, back with another episode, episode 131 of the pod. And yes, we have a lot to discuss this week, but we've got Jim and Stan here, no guests this week. We thought we'd give you a breather after giving you near enough the whole pie with Geordie last week. So we'll scale you back a bit. We'll put you on a gastric brand for now, but we will give you more later. But only one place to start, Manchester. Where would we like to start? United or City, gents? It's up to you, mate. It's fine. I'll let you choose. Oh, okay. I think we'll start with City. We'll start with City. Jim, give us your initial thoughts. Yeah, a must-win game. I think every game is a must-win game for from now to the end of the season, the way Liverpool are playing. It's very reminiscent of... 2018-19, I think. Um, but yeah, I thought they played well. I thought the first half was very close contest and City scored some goals. We've not seen them score in... Maybe since Pep got there. I mean, we t- we tend to be a bad counter-attacking side, but we, we scored two great goals in the counter-attack. I like to think down that left-hand side. And the second half, I think we took control of it. I don't know what happened in the break between both teams in the dressing rooms, but... It was a different game in the second half. I think it was a game of two halves, but City won them both ultimately on the scoreline. And yeah, a really good result. What can I say? It's never, it won't ever get boring beating them. And I mean, we haven't beat them for a while yet, so it was a potential banana slip, banana peel in the title race, and we overcame it in a good fashion. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite weird to think that you've not beaten them at your place for a little bit, considering... And Stan won't mind me saying this, the golfing class between the two sides and every time you play on paper, but obviously football's not played on paper, City should beat United. But Stan, James, just give us his initial thoughts. Let's hear yours. Um, yeah, it's only the fourth time um, in the last 18 games where the home side has actually won the Manchester derby, which is a very interesting stat. The home side doesn't tend to win, but City were fully deserving of this one. Um it was weird, really, because after the first half, um, I thought we—I we, don't—I don't know. I thought we'd probably done enough to maybe go in level. Uh, from a, I mean, Neville said it how, how much you know we we had so much possession against City. When I thought like he did, I thought it would be a case of we sit and counter, uh, but we had a fair bit of the ball in the first half. Uh, Mika Richards said at halftime he was impressed with how United played in the first half. He, you know, he thought we were quite positive. And, and like I say, we went in 2-1 down. I mean, two goals from United's point of view where it's just, it's, it's not even coaching issues. It's just mentality and attitude issues, which, you know, letting players run past you, you're standing still and expecting somebody else to save you and, and things like that. And there are issues that have happened in, you know, other games this season, not just this one. Uh, and then the second half, um, the next goal was vital. Um, I wouldn't say that United and City didn't start on the same level. Uh, City were miles better than us in that second half. And uh, the, the next goal was only ever going to come for one team. And it, it came for City. Um, with a, a, a great finish by uh, Riyad Mahrez, which did take a nick off uh, off Maguire, but City were fully deserving of, of that 3-1 lead. And then United's heads completely fell off, just like they did in that um, 5-0 at Old Trafford against Liverpool, where, you know, we played OK in the first 20 minutes, probably could have gone 1-0 up ourselves, but, you know, conceded a couple. Uh, and then our heads just completely went and Pogba ended up getting himself sent off in that. Um, and 
you know, not not the same in this game, but in terms of how how their heads went and the attitude that they showed, it was just not an attitude. Never mind that you want you know a club like United, but just at any professional club at all. Um, and the weird thing is that it's it's not exactly it wasn't exactly a shock. I mean, sometimes you see teams and and you know you like or you see your team and certain things you like. Fuck me, like we're normally good at that. But you know, seeing the United team give up and just allow a team so to end up going to a comfortable win is something we've seen quite a lot in the last um, seven eight years, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, I did see a stat, Jim. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys had 92% possession to United's 8% in, was it the final 15 minutes or just a 15-minute spell? Uh, do you reckon that was blown completely out of proportion or do you reckon that's a stat that where United fans should really be like, we are in trouble? Um, yeah, I think it was a 15-minute period towards the end of the game and... To be honest, no, I actually think it's I think Stan might agree, it's it's fucking, it's fucking embarrassing, isn't it? Um you've seen some mad possession stats, but eight percent is um yeah, it is it's embarrassing and I think it just tells the story about you don't even know you need to watch how they play to kind of try and imagine how a team only gets eight percent possession and it's they give up. And it's exactly what they did do was walking around, I think. They try a little press there with um some of the subs. I think Lingard and Rashford came on late. Um, I say just not to round him like a, a rondo at the back and yeah they, just, they was walking in midfield and say were taking the piss out of they was all laying him um, and in the derby it should never happen so I don't think he's being blown out of portion really no I think it's quite telling yeah I mean I, I did watch the whole game and when Sancho scores that goal I'm thinking here we go as a, as a neutral I'm thinking here we go now we've got a bit of a game in our hands but United Stan I don't know what you think but they just they self imploded in my opinion. I thought that mm. Ragnik was very uninventive. Change is probably a bit too late, but yeah, I, I just think that the people that are considering Ragnik for the the full time position of United need to give the red a wobble. Um, I don't think it's got a lot to do with Ragnik. To be fair, I think it's all on the players. I don't, like I say, a lot of the issues that I saw in that game weren't issues related to coaching uh, at all for me. It was all. Uh, I mean, Keane said it best after the game, you know, that individual pride was just lacking, that professional pride was lacking, leadership was lacking, nobody wanted to take the game by the scuff of the neck, they just wanted somebody else to do it, like they didn't want to be them. And to be fair, I mean, the 92%, 8%, yeah, it is embarrassing, but I think the context of it makes it even worse in the fact that there might be moments where City do have 90% of the ball against you for a certain period of time. But that should be happening when you're in a positive position and you may be trying to let them have the ball, not when it's you're 3-1 down or 4-1 down, I can't remember when it was, and um, you're not even trying to get the ball. You've not had a shot in the second half. You've made substitutions that you know were positive in terms of the, the positions of the players that you brought on, uh, not to mention the fact the two academy lads and two local lads that should get what it means that just you know decided to come on and, and jog around for a bit. I think you know the context of that start actually makes it even worse. Um it just it just wasn't a good day. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, the last half an hour I was kind of watching it and kind of not really. And I think the worst bit about it is the fact that I was pretty over it about an hour after it happened, which um, isn't what you want after you know such a bad result 
a bad performance against your rivals. But I think as a United fan, you've kind of come to, uh, not even just this season, but like since Fergie, we've we've got those types of performances in us in, in games where you should never play like that. Because, you know, there is a difference in class between United and City, but, you know, the difference in ability doesn't mean that you can't run hard, you can't try hard. Uh, I mean, when City were worse than us, they always got a good result than us. Uh, United fans talk about when we were worse than Liverpool in the 80s, we always got positive results against them. We weren't as good as them. City weren't as good as us, but the players were up for it and they tried. And, and you know, that's something that's missing massively at United in, in the last hour many years. Um, weirdly, actually, I mean, United, this United team broke records in terms of, you know, coming from behind in games, uh, a record for away games uh, can, without losing and things like that. So I did think that maybe Solskjaer and the signings he'd made in the group had kind of changed mentality. But, um, you know, the the uh, the two games against City this season, that Liverpool game at, at home this season, you know, them, them being the biggest team we can play. Um, yeah, alarm bells definitely ringing on that one. It feels very uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah, Jim, Groundhog Day for you guys as well. Three points. But do you see United getting in the top four this season? Um, I still think I still think it'd be a close one. Um, I think United have got a few big games come up they've got Spurs next week which Spurs are still well in contention for I think um, the most turbulent side in the league as people are describing after last night's 5-0 win and the performance for that against Middlesbrough um, I was going to say, say Jim they've got Leicester I was just sorry I've got the fixtures for you uh, so they've got Leicester at home Everton away Norwich at home Arsenal away for the next four that Arsenal one's that, a big one who's that United. United, no, we've got... Um, oh, the Liverpool game's been moved. Yeah, we've got Spurs at all. When's the Liverpool game been moved to? Because he mentioned that. Doesn't say on flash scores. Maybe they don't yeah, have a date for it. I don't think they've rearranged it, but yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I mean, yeah, Arsenal and uh, and the Spurs games are massive in the next, what is it, three or four league games. So, yeah, United... Yeah, I, 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 I think United have got the quality. Um, I think they've got the best squad and the best team. I would maybe then three out, I would say... Wolves and West Ham, although a bit overachieving, I don't think they're going to be there come the end of the season. But if I had to put a bet on, I'd probably pick Arsenal. I think the difference between Arsenal and United at the minute isn't so much quality. I think I think Arsenal are enjoying the football, and I think Arteta's doing a decent job in um, changing the culture this season. I think I think there's been some results where they came back from behind and won a game, which is not like the recent Arsenal sides and. From what we've seen from United on the weekend, the mentality isn't quite there. Um, I don't think they are enjoying the football. And I think Arsenal will just nick it. Welcome back, listeners. It is indeed that time of the week, bet of the week, the time where I can tell you how to win some money for your other half. Okay, we're going to start off in the Prem. There is only three Prem games on Saturday this week and I am going against Better the Week logic, so if it doesn't land, forgive me. We're back in the early kickoff, okay, at the Amex Stadium. We're going to go Liverpool, Jürgen's Redmen to win to nil against Graham Potter's Brighton. We've got Burnley at a massive 13 to 5 to win away at Brentford. Then we head to Old Trafford for Conte versus Ragnick. Oh, don't worry, Stan. I've not put my faith in you, man. I've gone for under 2.5 in this game, Jim. I think it'll be a very tight asshole kind of game. 
And then we're moving to League One. Like I said, there's only three Prem games this week. And of course, I have put Wigan, the Ticks, to win away at MK Dons in that six-pointer in League One. So just to recap the bet of the week, we've got Liverpool to win and Liverpool to win to nil away at Brighton, Burnley to win away at Brentford, Wigan to beat MK Dons away from home, and Man United Spurs under 2.5 goals. And lads, what can the listeners do with that information? They can shove it up the rackers. Yeah, bastards. So last week we um, we discussed Bielsa's sacking and uh, we didn't really touch on too much on the new guy. We didn't know much about him, but Cook, after the first game this week, Leeds did lose, but he posted some big XG numbers for them. I think it was the best statistical performance of the season, which... Take that as you will. Take that how you want it. But what did you think of Leeds' first game under the American? I was very impressed. I mean, I I am a fan of Jesse Marsh anyway because I've seen him a little bit here, there and everywhere. And I think he's a very progressive football manager. He does like to play attacking football. He he will never park the bus. He would rather go out on his sword, so to speak, which you've got respect as a, uh, a a football fan. But they were so good in this game, which was annoying. Rafinha missed a class chance for him. Must have been about five yards out. It got fizzed across the box by, I think it's Junior Furpo. Is that his name? I think that's right. He fizzed it across the box. Rafinha was literally about five yards out. If he hits it either side of the goalkeeper, the 1-0 up. They had 19 shots in this game leads to um, to Leicester City's seven. But it was just the the actual quality of chances which surprised me that Leeds were getting. And then Harvey Barnes just hit them with a... You can't describe it as anything more than a sucker punch because Leeds were completely on top of this game. And then Leicester, who themselves are not in the best... Well, they're not in the best place in the Prem at the moment. I'm not even sure if they're in the top half at the moment. But yeah, Leeds will be definitely kicking themselves. But it's also not all doom and gloom because... Like you said, Jim, statistically best performance of the season. And just even looking at them, they look a much happier team and they, they look more like they're not in a rut. They're not doing the exact same thing every week, but it'll be even better to see this team when they get Rafinha, Bamford and Phillips all in the same team because obviously they're missing the last two. Yeah, well, they've been waiting for that all season. Maybe a new mighty bounce can... Um lift the spirits and give Leeds the well-needed change they need to stand. But another team down there that are playing well and are getting results, and I think, if I'm right, are the second-best team on form in this here Premier League. Not lost since uh, mid-December, maybe. Eddie Howe's Newcastle, they've completely turned it around, haven't they, this, um, after the calendar year? Yeah, they have, yeah. And uh, they've done it without um, Sam Maximan for the last few games. Uh, I think he played at the weekend, but but before that, you know, they got positive results without him. Trippier's injured and obviously Callum Wilson as well. So they've really, um, really grouped together. And, uh, you know, since that January transfer window, like you say, uh, when they brought in, you know, I mean, I think a great signing they brought in there was Dan Burns, who's a very solid Premier League centre-half who'll, who'll command that defence and, and, you know, and has commanded that defence, as we've seen from the positive results uh, that, that we have seen. So, yeah, fair play to Newcastle. Um, I think, you know, in December, uh, a lot of people had already written them off. So, solid chance for a window. They got rid of Steve Bruce when they did. He was not doing too well for West Brom. Uh 
And yeah, Eddie Howe, for, you know, I don't like, um, I do, a big part of me do wishes he went down because it would have been really funny to see the richest club in the world um, playing away at, at DW uh, at Wigan. So, but the old, yeah, fair play to him, credit where credit's due. Uh, they've come through a good period. Like you say, one of the best teams in the league on form and I don't think they're uh, they're in too much trouble at all now. Uh, as long as he, you know, another another two wins, two, three wins in the last, in the last oh, 10 games or whatever it is and they'll be, they'll be fine. Yeah, and um, Lou, I think it wasn't too long ago we was actually saying that Newcastle probably will go down. And are they safe? Are they are they safe for you? And next season, if they are safe for you, what are their aims for next season? I mean, they should be safe. And also, that's what the difference will be down the bottom. Them spending a hundred million or whatever they spent in January is part and parcel to why they shouldn't be even near this relegation. Scrap since January, like like you said, they put a few wins together, but Burnley haven't spent hundred million, nor of Watford, nor of Norwich, nor of Everton or Brentford or Leeds. But that's what I mean. It's it's that's basically what you need to get you out of the shit down there. And like Stan said, they bought smart in loaning people like Matt Target, who's like a six and a half out of ten every week. Dan Burns probably a little bit better than that every week, but they have added stability and quality, and they've taken from a rival, obviously in Chris Wood as well, but. I think they, they, they are safe. If they go down from here, Eddie Howe should never manage another 40 match in his life because they're in such a commanding position and they, they probably are too good to go down. Probably the same with Everton. I know it's easy for me to say that now where they are, but they're probably too good to go down and it's just the yeah. fact that there's shit around them. There's just more <laughs> shit teams around them. But next year, yeah. next year, I would say if they have another good window, sign smart again, um, address what needs addressing I would say it has to be a European position from there after do something like Wolves they literally came up from the Prem straight into European positions same with uh, Sheffield United as well so fuck it why not Newcastle well yeah um, I'd probably go a little bit more um, I wouldn't say realistic because you've already given two examples there of teams that have done it but maybe a little bit more sensible should we say uh, and I think we just need to focus on staying up again, but doing it a lot more comfortably, if you get what I mean, being a lot With closer class. to the table. Uh, and bringing in another couple of faces and getting rid of a few faces that um, that don't want to be there, adding a little bit more quality to the side. And yeah, it, it's going to take a while. I think the worst thing that Newcastle could do is is jump on you know 30-odd-year-old big names that aren't really asked about it anymore and, and want instant success. I think they need to set out a, a two, three, four, five year plan and, and, you know, take it slowly because the money's there and it's not going to go anywhere, especially with these uh, petrol prices going up. So they'll, uh, they'll be all right. Yeah. So they, they just need to take it slowly and, and be sensible. That's what I'd say. Be sensible. Right, guys, welcome back to the game part of the show. Eleven of all is back, and yes, our court case is still ongoing. True. Coronavirus is pushed back. Ryan Giggs' is court case, and it's done the same to ours, guys. But we're oh, just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> it's, it's the cards have been dealt with. Um, anyway, on to today's game. I have gone for a bit of a different one today. Um, after this game, we're going to be discussing the return of Two number 10s that have uh, previously um, maybe dominated now, maybe been in really impressed in the league. Anyway, we're going to be talking about Christian Eriksen and Felipe Coutinho, so stay tuned for that. 
Um, the eleventh I've gone with is the last time these two fellows met in the league, which was early 2017-18 season, um, around November time. I think Spurs won their fixture. I'm not quite sure. But I'm not going to ask you for the Liverpool 11 or Spurs 11 because it was not long ago and they're quite easy. So it's 2017-2018. I'm looking for the 10 substitutes, no, the 14 substitutes on that said day. <laughs> Fucking hell. Do we, do, we, do we understand that? I might have just felt that a bit weird, but yeah, yeah seven yeah, subs. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. Instead of team, part 11, do you want the subs? Yeah, I looked for the style 11s and yeah, really easy. It's just Kane, Son, then Belgian centre-backs. The Liverpool team's not much different. So, okay. let's go with it. I'll go with um, Stan first. I have a team. Um, so, you've got 14 choices. Okay. Um, he tends to be on the bench, so I'll go for him first. James Milner. James Milner wasn't on the bench during this game. I'm afraid to say, Stan. Say. <laughs> I will go for... what? Who, who are they playing, sorry? I'm only thinking of Liverpool players here. It's Spurs and Liverpool. It's Spurs versus Liverpool. Right. last time Coutinho and Ericsson played against each other. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll say Michel Vorm. Michel Vorm, you would be absolutely bang on there. <laughs> Come on, son. <laughs> what a I set hard on this week, but I'm enjoying what a it. <laughs> I can't fucking think. Um, I, I can't fucking do this. I can't fucking do it. We'll um, give you, we'll give you three lives <laughs> this week then, not two. Okay. Divokarigi. Stan, you've been very unlucky yesterday because it's a good shout again. But he isn't there. What the okay, I'm going to go for the other team because I clearly can't remember this. <laughs> Cook, make it top two. <laughs> Um, I will go for Serge Aurier Serge Aurier no no not on the bench this one I'm afraid did he start or was he in jail no comment (laughs) (laughs) the latter (laughs) okay I'm going to go for Eric Lamella I'm afraid I'm afraid Already, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done really well to not get one there. Yeah, um, <laughs> all as well. Can you keep going? You got you got two lives remaining. Ooh, all right. Uh, I will go for. I will go for Genie Van Alden. No, I'm afraid. We pushed no. down to your last life. One more go. Um, I will go for. I'm trying to think of bum dossers that play for both teams. There's so many. Uh, Adam. Adam, yeah, Adam Liliana would be a good show. He would, but you can't listen to Stan. We know his form. He that was the ghost. That was the <laughs> <laughs> Stan, come on, get one. One more guest. Okay, yeah. yeah. Get, get one. one. Get one. All right, all right, all right. 2017-18. Yeah. Uh, he's not that long ago. <laughs> he's not 
Did he start? Did he might have started. He might have started. Um, Carry us I'll on get, in your life, one of them. I'll get the teams up now. Okay, so yeah, Lovren did start. Uh, Milner did start, Stan as well, I'm afraid Brilliant. to say. Um, so the benches you could have had, you could have had 13 answers today. You could have had Carrius, you could have had Clavan, you could have had Trent. Trent? Yeah. You could have had the Ox, you could have had Marco Grujic, you could have had Sturridge and Solanke. Fucking hell. That's Liverpool bench, and uh, we obviously cook one with Michelle Form. It's, it's a 1 0. <laughs> it's three points. Um, you could have had Danny Rose, Ben Davis. Oh George, God. Kevin, and Kudu. That would have been a surprise one if you got that one. You could have Eric Bayer or Soko or Fernando Llorente. Right. Llorente right. is a big one out of that. But, I Al mean, Milana, Milner, Origi, and uh, Lamella. Lamella was, yeah. Fair play. Sorry, that was a bit difficult, but there we have it. Cook wins 1 0. Win. Wins a win. Okay, listeners, back by popular demand. This is usually the part where you get a Players Club's game or something like that, or maybe a Fantastic Four, one of those. Oh, no, 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 no. Who Am I is back for one week and one week only. And because it's only back for one week, I've got two Who Am I's for us. So, buzzers at the ready, lads. Player number one. I was born on the 1st of September, 1989, making me 32 years young. He was born on the 5th of September. Shout out, Jay, even though he doesn't listen anymore. Okay. Well, fuck him, then. Fuck him, then. 1989, I take it Don't back. Don't need you. 32. Uh, okay. 32, uh, Jerome Boateng. Controversial figure. Hello. For them shit tattoos. Oh, um, 32. Oh, uh, Marilyn Pjanic. No and no. Statement number two. I represented Great Britain at the London Olympics in 2012. Oh, Nathaniel Klein. No. Imagine oh, if he was only 32. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, yeah. No, it's not. I'm sorry, Jim. Okay. I have 26 caps for England, scoring eight goals. And he's a striker. I'll give you that. 26 caps, eight goals. Oh, yeah. Danny Welbeck. It's no. Stand to steal. Uh, Oh, uh, Andy Carroll. For three points. You've hit the post. It's not Andy Carroll. Okay. For two points. Statement number four. (laughs) It actually is. Statement (laughs) number four for two points. I've won the Premier League. Champions League twice with two different clubs. So I've won the Premier League and I've also won the Champions League twice with two English clubs. English clubs. Mm, I'll, I'll let that I'll let that simmer for a bit. And that's oh. oh, Danny Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge. Well done, Stan. And then clue number five was on October the 1st, 2021, yeah. Australian side Perth Glory announced signing of me for the A-League season 2021-2022 season. Daniel Sturridge is only 32. Do you make the ball for Danny Welbeck? Yeah. Although, to be fair, it does ring a bell that Jay's told me they were born on the same bit. Okay, player number two. <clears throat> I was born... On the 9th of August, 1985, making me 36. 
a little bit older this time, is he? I'll just double check um, if he's retired or not for you, because I'm actually not sure. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll nope. just fire anyway. Still playing? Still playing? Still playing. Uh, Thomas Muller. It's not Thomas Muller. I like where your mind's at. Oh, Steve Mananda. <laughs> oh, Div. No, it's not Div. Statement two for four points. I've played in Spain, England, Uruguay, Holland, and Brazil. Oh, Diego so, Forlan. It's not. Oh. You, you wouldn't think he's still playing, would you? <laughs> well, oh, you got it. Oh, I've no idea. Yeah, so just to uh, recap, I've played for Spain, uh, I've played in Spain, England, Uruguay, Holland, and Brazil. Oh, yeah, I don't know from this, so I'm just, I'm just going to guess um, a personal favourite, Ned Manua. Just don't <laughs> want to say his name. It's not, I'm afraid. <laughs> Again, I like where your head's at. <laughs> okay, clue number three for three points. I have 44 caps for Brazil, two goals. I don't even think of your. I can think of one Uruguayan club, and I wouldn't even know if it's played there. Okay, so it's thirty-six. How many caps? How many goals? Sorry, forty-four caps, two goals, and the club in um, Uruguay is Reni Stas. Yeah, no idea. I only know that Peñarol. Um, so it's not medication that Peñarol. <laughs> oh yeah, forty-four yeah. caps for Brazil, two goals. Why does I just nearly say Nigel De Jong? <laughs> no, say it, say it, say what you see. <laughs> He's not Brazilian, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's he's England, England yeah. Spain, Holland, Uruguay, Brazil. Shit. Bloody hell, where is my head at? Where's your head? Um, Felipe Luis. What? <laughs> no. Fuck off, <laughs> Four hundred million. <laughs> what a number! I can finally say. Oh. Is it actually? <laughs> yeah. Clue number four. I've won La Liga once, the Copa del Rey twice, and one Premier League with two Europa leagues. And then clue number five was I was at Chelsea for just one season because Cesar Espelicueta was converted as a left back and played over me in my title-winning season under Jose Mourinho. Oh, so the cool. players nice. on Who Am I this week? Very different players. We had Daniel Sturridge who's still 32 somehow. And then we had 36-year-old Felipe Luis, who is still playing for Flamenco in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Two very different who am I this week. Yeah. I am very happy that Jim got that one, though, when he got it. What a pull. So you had you got three points that. for that first one. And who won, the, who won the first one? Stan? Yeah. Stan won it on... Was it the two English teams one? The Champions League one? No, it was the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so scores on the door this week. Because Stan answered it in statement number four, he got two points. But because Jim answered it in statement number three for player number two, he takes the Who Am I trophy this week. Three goals to two. Boom. Hello and welcome back to That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. And we're going to finish off the podcast. Jim has already alluded to it. Uh, we're going to talk about number 10s, uh, not necessarily number 10s as in that's what they wear on the back of the top. Thanks, Iggy. 
Um, but they could they could potentially wear a different number. But it's you know it's that attacking midfielder that nice you know maybe a little bit lightweight but you know incredibly technically gifted. And two that we've we've put the spotlight on are Christian Eriksen and Felipe Coutinho. Cook just told me that Felipe Coutinho has uh, played six games. Was it six games? Seven games? Seven. <clears throat> Uh, and obviously Christian Eriksen's back. He's played a couple of games as well. And uh, probably his highlight from those two games is stopping Brandon Williams from smacking him and uh, making him hug him instead. Um, but no, I mean... Normal. Cook, I'll put, I'll put it on to you. Um, our number 10's coming back. And if they are coming back, are they coming back in uh, you know, the traditional way of, of playing behind a striker? I like to say they are coming back just because I, I do like... I feel like every team should not probably have one, but that that it's a very effective position to have. And I don't know if I'm being nostalgic, obviously with it being Coutinho and, and Ericsson who have obviously played at the Prem at the same time. And obviously we did 11 ball before when was the last time they played together, but they've been in the Prem for a while together. And I just think that they're coming back, but in a, in a slightly different way, obviously Coutinho starts off the left for Villa, but, he doesn't do really any of his his damage from there. He, he's been quite central for them a lot, really. And Ericsson, other than the Brandon Williams thing, he uh, whipped the ball in. And then I think it was Christoph Ayer flicked it on for Ivan Sony for the opening goal at the weekend. So already he's just come in. Oh, you're straight on corners. First start, you're straight on all the set pieces. Because we forget how good a player he actually is. Prior to his yeah. heart attack, Jim, he was playing it into. Yeah, and even before then, it's Spurs, very high level. Um, well, 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 well. well for, I mean, personally, <laughs> per, per, personally, he, he would play at high level. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite, quite, it's great to see him back, really, after what happened in the Euros. And um, yeah, I think he's already shown glimpses of his quality. And I'm sure Brentford fans will be loving every minute. And I think that first goal will be a special moment for not just him but maybe for the, all of football after what we've seen um, not too long ago and yeah Coutinho has started pretty hot uh, under Gerard Villa in terms of getting on the stat sheet and the goals and the assists um, the goal and assist on the weekend and a big win there so so yeah I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if they're coming back Stan I think everyone's got opting for number 8 now we, everyone used to have a 10 everyone used to have a guy behind a strike we've seen for a, for a long period that was the end thing but Football is a cyclical game, isn't it? And now we have hates and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's it. I think most teams tend to play that 4-3-3 or three midfielders at least. So most of those players that are, you know, similar skill sets or whatever to to the traditional tend to be pushed out into wide positions or maybe even put into a false nine. Um, so yeah I mean I, I love those types of players I mean Cook are there any that, that jump out to you in terms of you know the traditional number 10s that, that you can remember um, Matter 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 yeah. straight away when we used to play that 4-2-3-1 the one that won us the Champions League that's where he played right behind the striker and in my opinion if he'd have played there for United they would have done a lot better with him and they would have got a lot more out of him but yeah, him, him really off the top of my head for an out-and-out out number 10. Maybe someone like Isco as well. I would say he is very specialist. Man City legend. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other than them, uh, none really jumped to my mind other than, I would say Coutinho. Jim, can you think about it? Um, we're in the number 10, none other than Totti, obviously. 
Mesut Ozil at Real Madrid was very good to watch. Um, but I mean, like, I'm, a, I'm a City fan. I'm not sure that many City fans, when you ask this question, are going to say David Silva. Um, he might not have even played there for as much as he did as right midfield or intense midfield, but he's a 10 by nature. And I feel, to be fair, all that Spanish side, um, I'm pretty sure you could have put them all there. And he was all brilliant. Um, Stan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the best one for me that, that I've seen, if, you know, he didn't always play there, I suppose, but he was definitely the more advanced in probably the best midfield three that I've ever seen, and that's Andres Iniesta. Uh, could play off the wing as well, so maybe he was ahead of his time in terms of where the those types of players would end up. He, he played off the left quite a lot for uh, for the national side because they had you know, a plethora of midfielders, I suppose, that anybody could play that in a different position, he put them there. I remember Fabregas played up front in, in Euro 2012 as well because they just tried to get as many. I think they had tried a front three in Euro 2012 with Iniesta, Fabregas and, uh, and David Silva. So uh, with Xavi Alonso, Xavi and Busquets as a three in the midfield. So they probably could have played an 11 of midfielders and won it. Um, and yeah, going back a little bit further than that, probably my favourite ever non-United player is, is Kaká, who's not exactly in that, you know, probably a lot more uh, physical than the others, but, you know, playing off Shevchenko and, and Giladino and, and whoever it was at AC Milan, Inzaghi. Um, yeah, absolutely un- unbelievable player, technically gifted and, and, like I say, probably a bit more physically gifted. But, I mean, Jim, who would who would you say out of the modern players are probably closest to, you know, those traditional tens that we've, uh, that we've spoken about? That's a very good question, Stan. Um, as in terms of... Like skill set, sure. how, how, how they play and maybe, you know, uh, well, no, just generally how they play. Just generally play. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think that. A lot of them, you see, you see to play them on the wing, don't you? Um, That's what I mean. I do think, because you've gone for these midfield threes, there's not really a place for one of them three to be a, a five foot seven, you know, lightweight kind of player. Um <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe you talk Van der Beek. I mean, you know, ten years ago, Van der Beek probably in that era, he probably would have been brilliant. He's lightweight, but in terms of his te- technical ability, there's not many better than him. But as we've seen in the last few years, Premier League football doesn't really have those types of players in the midfield, so it's kind of passed mm. him by. I mean, for me, Jim, I'll I'll say probably I'd say Phil Foden uh, is very close to those types of players technically. Um, he's yeah. the one that jumps out to me in terms of you know a guy that you could have pushed him back 10 years ago and he probably still would have started for most top teams in, in, in that you know off the striker kind of roaming number 10 position yeah I mean I, mean, I was just running through teams in my head and like you say they all seem to be the physical nature but yeah Foden did come to my mind and if one that came to mind which he isn't like at the level of some of the players we've previously listed but I went to Serie A because they they can play the slow football and tactical stuff still, but Luis Alberto is not very quick, not very strong, not very fast, but he seems to do really well in that league. And um, I, I would say pretty much the players like number 10 used to. Um, yeah. I played telling of the league, which is um, not as caught up as the rest of us. <laughs> can you think of any at the moment that, you know, are similar to the old number 10s or maybe your favourite number 10 that's playing at the moment? Um, they're not exactly a number 10 but I was just thinking of our players that kind of play in those positions I would say if if we were to ever go to a, a formation that had just an out and out number 10 I would say Mount could play very well there and 
be a very good creative outlet. And if you wanted to put someone else on the wing, you could put Hakim Ziyech as a number 10 because I feel like that is a position he was probably born to play, um, to be like that lazy midfielder that plays behind the striker that can just spray and shoot. I think he'd be, if we, like I said, if we ever went to that formation, it would be something to consider anyway if you wanted to put someone else out wide. But no real number 10s like out and out that, that come to my mind. Not really, anyway. Yeah, it may be a maybe a certain messy in his um, player years. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. You can't take on too much responsibility nowadays um, in terms of physically contributing to a game like he used to. His, his stamina and stuff like that, and you know, maybe we'll see it tomorrow night. Certain um, Kylian Mbappe is apparently injured, so a lot of the burden would be handed to um, the Ballon d'Or man. Mm-hmm. So I think the Ballon d'Or man. Welcome back, ladies and gents. Unfortunately, it is that time of the week, the time where we have to love you and leave you, but it is also the time of the week where we tell you where you can find us when we're not making podcasts. So you can find us at Twitter and Instagram using the handle at cookiepodcast1. That's at cookiepodcast followed by the number one. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search in. That's the way the cookie crumbles. If you don't have any of those two, you can get us at our host platform, Anchor FM. It's been episode 131 and that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you there.